0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Damn Recruiting Podcast with your host Marcus Greaves and Adam Nicholson. Adam, what's up, my man? How you doing?
1: Oh, you know, just hanging on down here in the bow. Yeah, that's so what I'm we're, talking we're about. We're doing good, though. Yeah, it sounds like
0: you you checked out practice today, didn't you?
1: I did. Made it over there. It was a little surprised to see them outside today because of the rain. Um, usually they're inside when it's raining, but... You have know, got to get that experience with a wet ball and everything. So it, it went really well, though. I
0: thought absolutely. And you know, spring, was this their first spring practice back or was this their second?
1: This was their first. Okay. They, yeah, because uh, I took that like, week up on Tuesday. Mm. So. Okay.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it's good that it looked it looked a little sharp. Uh, there's obviously going to be mistakes. You gotta you gotta put the guys out in the rain sometimes. As much as a player, I hated that. I hated it so much because, I mean, who wants to be damp? Who wants to be cold, wet? You know all of the above like that, but, um, anyways, Adam, what uh, what news you got for us, my man? Hey,
1: man, it was uh, you know, we got not a whole lot going on on the recruiting front for football right now. A lot of it's here with hoops still, um, as they're kind of gathering information still, get kids on the campus for football. But I think, uh, you know, let's start off with some hoops talk. What do you think? I know that was kind of our carryover from last week. Absolutely. Let's start it off with that. Cool. So, uh, first news and notes, we got Tyson Jolly. He was a DUCO. We had talked about him last week on the pod. DUCO um, out of Tyler, Texas, Tyler Junior College out there. Uh, he had been on an official visit to Oregon State last month. Um, got some bad news. He actually committed to SMU coming out of his official visit this weekend. Mm. Um, but, so, moving on, they're still looking at adding at least one more piece. Um, you know, this last week we've been breaking down kind of what the roster will look like for Wayne Tinkle's program uh, for next season. And they've still got one scholarship to play with. A lot will be dependent upon Trace Tinkle, what he kind of decides to do, whether he's going to, you know, pursue a graduate transfer option or declare for the NBA draft or, you know, still return for that senior season. If he does come back, you know, he's got an opportunity to really cement his legacy as one of the best ever played inside Gill Coliseum. He's already in the top ten for scoring and rebounding for a career. Um, And, you know, obviously if he comes back for that senior season, he's only going to further climb up that ladder. Um, But regardless of his decision, they're definitely looking to take one more. Uh, they got a new JUCO offer out to Trey Wade from South Plains College out in Georgia. Uh, he's a UTEP bounce back. He's got a lot of uh, mid-major offers. Kind of broke through that glass ceiling with an offer from Wich- Wichita State last month. And then uh, Florida and Oregon State kind of followed suit with that. Uh, he's a long-armed athlete who plays inside out. He's really good on the glass, uh, finishing around a bucket, but he can't step outside and knock down that J. Um, He's going to be interesting to watch, see kind of uh, how things shake out there. Uh, might be a little difficult to pull him out of Georgia, kind of outside of the traditional, you know, Oregon State footprint. But you never know with JUCO's; they're always looking for more opportunity rather than the uh, the regional um, locked in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're. Oh, go ahead, man.
0: Oh, I was just going to say so. Uh... Well I know that there was a little bit of transfer talk. You might have been able or you're probably going to go into that. I just wanted to, you know, bring it up really quick because you know, we talked a little bit off air there were there were or there are some um transfers from I think it was was it South Dakota State and yeah. UC Irvine. Those are those are two guys I think you get them on Oregon State's roster and obviously you can go more into detail, but I just watched a little bit of film on one of them, but I already know that Max Hazard from UC Irvine who made it pretty deep in the tournament. You know, I watched some film on him and obviously got to watch him in the tournament. And, man, I could only imagine if Oregon State got a guy like that. Some leadership, some good experience in the tournament. I think that would just make this basketball program maybe take that next step. We don't want to go too far because, you know, we've said that a handful of times that this is the time to take you know, the next step, and they haven't. But you know, I just kind of wanted to get your quick thoughts on those two transfers and if Oregon State gets them, what that means at least for this program.
1: Yeah, I think actually, you know, um, Wayne Tinkle and his staff right now are actually leaning more towards taking in the graduate transfers or a hard transfer um, into the program rather than looking to the more traditional recruiting uh, ranks, whether it's high school or JUCO or prep school. Um, so with that, you know, you're talking about David Jenkins out of South Dakota State. This, this kid's a real deal, I feel like. He's originally from Tacoma, Washington. Um, you know, some analysts have pegged him as one of the most sought-after transfers uh, he's got two years to play one, so uh, he's got that redshirt year available. I think he's trying to go for a graduate transfer, um, but he ha- he also hasn't ruled out returning to South Dakota State. Um, so I think it might be a little bit of a stretch to get him in here, but he'd definitely be an impact guy. Uh, floor leader, he's kind of a combo guard can play on and off the ball. Um, Averaged 20 points a game, and I think he shot it at like 40, 46 or 47% from three. Somewhere in there, so he would he would really complement and help build off of you know your your big two that are returning next year and Ethan Thompson and you know hopefully Trace Tinkle. um yeah, well I guess Kyler Kelly as well in the middle he should be considered there as well, uh, but I think the more realistic option is probably that Max Hazard. Mm-hmm. um he's he's kind of has that scorer's mentality from the point guard position checks in at five ten. Um, if you look at his stats, he didn't really turn over the ball a whole lot, but he also wasn't necessarily the, the full-time, you know, facilitator of the offense uh, uh, that you might look for in a traditional point guard. Um, but bringing him in, he would definitely establish that leadership quality that you're looking for, and being that floor general in the sense of operating within an offense.
0: Mm-hmm, absolutely, but I would say, you know, is it? Here's a good question for you. I guess, at least from my point of view. I know Oregon State in the past, really, we haven't had that traditional point guard, right? We've kind of had guys mm-hmm. who could maybe mix it up a little bit, play that point guard like Ethan Thompson. You know, he's not a traditional point mm-hmm. guard, maybe Stevie Thompson. Um, but they're in, in a way, they're kind of more uh, scorers in my eyes. They're not traditional pass-first guys. Do you think taking another guy like that would be beneficial, or do you think Oregon State should focus more on, since we already know Jared Lucas is coming in, right, do you think – we maybe try to shift and try to get that traditional pass first, you know, floor general guy, or do you think we just keep going with the scores, or at least a score you know, kind of point guard?
1: I think it would be more beneficial to get a more traditional point guard into the system. Um, you know, you got Antoine Vernon who's returning, who fits that mold, a bit undersized, but he did show flashes this past season of being a confident floor general and being able to lead things. Um, but we just think, in my opinion, I don't know if I got to see enough of him to anoint him as, you know, the next point guard leading things at this point in time. Of course, he can still develop over the, the summer. Um, the other guy who I think really fits into that right now is going to be coming into the program is uh, Gianni Hunt, getting mm-hmm. into that pure point guard for general, leading the attack and uh, locking down opponents', defenses, or opponent's uh, point guards. Um, you know, but you're If you don't target a transfer, you're running the risk of having one of these either true freshmen or, you know, a true sophomore who played roughly 10 minutes a game, um, really giving him the reins to take over this team who's really pushing to aspire to become a tournament team just missed out this past season. Um, Like I said, I think it might be beneficial to get a proven quantity in there leading the show, um, but realistically, only the coaching staff is going to know um, you know the, the specific ins and outs of what they want and what they're what
0: they feel is comfortable. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. Well, didn't mean to you know kind of derail you. Just wanted to hear your <laughs> thoughts on that because I know that's some at least pretty big news. If we could get at least you know one of those transfers, or maybe just look at kind of a point guard. Because I, I I would say for the most part we. Uh, you know I, I would say I have a lot of confidence in almost every single position that we have at least at Oregon State it's kind of just that point guard that it seemed to maybe give at least fans or even opposing coaches a little question mark kind of exactly what we're doing and what our plan has been but you know that was just that was my take and I just kind of wanted to hear yours as well
1: no definitely I think you know I I think we have the same look on it you know it's it's I won't say it's a glaring need, but it's definitely one that needs to be addressed. And when you start looking at the attrition from the program um, over, you know, Wayne Tinkle's run here at Oregon State, it's been primarily at that point guard position. So how do you delve down into the root of the cause of those players leaving? Um, you know, what is it? And I think we're in a grand about addressing that point guard position, and getting someone in there who we're all comfortable with.
0: Absolutely. Well, Adam, didn't mean to do really like I said, so you can continue with the news. Let's hear what you got.
1: Yeah. So let's go moving on over to the women's side. Um, we were actually able to catch up with a couple uh twenty twenty one targets for Scott Ruick's program. Uh first off Peyton Burlh Verholst Burl- 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 out of Kansas. Uh she's a five star ranked as the top number ten player in the nation for the twenty twenty one class. She's a versatile guard. Um with size, who can play both ends is kind of a, a matchup nightmare for the opposition. Whether they're trying to stop her at six six one, almost six two, um, or trying to match, trying to go at her on the offensive end, um, she really likes Oregon State. She's close friends with fellow five-star Sasha Goford, uh from the 2020 class out of Arkansas. Um, so they they play together on the USA three on three national championship team. Uh, so they're traveling around, going to be spending a lot of time together. Uh, Sasha is um, another five-star from 2020. She's rumored to be down to Arkansas and Oregon State and is looking to have an official visit to Corvallis set up here in May and possibly a decision coming thereafter. Um, the the, think, the thinking is that if you're able to get go forth, that really plays well into landing Verho- Verholst um, company. For the next class, uh, they're extremely close, like I mentioned, and they can really play off of one another. And mm-hmm. they bring that additional size when you're looking at kind of what's coming into the program this cycle. You know, you got Kennedy Brown at six six, you got Taylor Jones at six three, and then Elena Mitrovic uh, at six nine. Then you're upgrading your guards from you know I think Mick and Kat are you know five nine five ten. Destiny Slocum's you know. 5859, five, somewhere in there, um, and you're replacing them essentially when they come out with guards that are six foot plus, you're definitely seeing that increase in size coming over the program, uh, which would be interesting and definitely worth watching, both of those as they continue through their recruiting process. Uh, we were also able to speak with Jersey Wolfenbarger, um, Arkansas. Um, she's an interesting prospect as well, checking in at six one, really starting to, or 6'2", excuse me, as a combo guard really starting to emerge on the national scene. Uh, she actually went head-to-head with Goforth in the state semifinals there um, and led North, her Northside high school to um, a victory over Goforth's Fayetteville team um, by two points of the closest game they had played all year up until their next game. Uh, Northside ended up going into the state championship game and won it when Jersey hit a buzzer beater with um, – from foul line extended, I want to say, um, to win the 6A state title, she was named Player of the Year for the tournament, as well as Underclassman of the Year for Arkansas. And she, like I said, she's really starting to emerge on the national scene. She's got kind of a who's who's lineup, much like Kate Vervhurst or Verholst, um has. And it's just, just about any team you can think of in the women's basketball realm has been in contact with her and Peyton as well. So it'll be interesting to see how both of those recruitments play out. Um, Kind of your non-traditional recruiting footprints for uh, an Oregon State athletic team in Kansas and Arkansas, where we might see multiple commitments come from over multiple classes. Mm -hmm. So definitely watching that. Um, And then kind of transitioning over to, um, well, I guess we should touch on Paige Buchers as well. Um, She was the number one player for the 2020 class. Uh, announced that she was announced her commitment to UConn the other night. Uh, Oregon State had been a finalist there. Um, I only bring this up because it could have a trickle down effect for Oregon State and Coach Rooks' program, uh, because Haley Van Lith, that Paige Buchers is the number one player in the class for 2020, the number one point guard as well. Haley Van Lith checked in as the number three player nationally and the number two point guard. Uh, they're both extremely close, but does this? Uh, commitment for Buchers to UConn does that create a trickle down effect with Van Lith and does that mean she's not going to go to UConn as well? Does she possibly look more into Oregon State? We know that she's definitely holds Oregon State in high regards, and she has some other suitors as well. Um, but it was believed that it was kind of a, a you know down to two maybe two to four teams. And Oregon State was right in the thick of it. So definitely worth watching that. We're still trying to hook up with uh, Haley to get her thoughts on her recruitment and such, and hopefully uh, over here at Beaver Blitz we'll have some news on that here in the near future.
0: Absolutely. Is that all you got for us, Adam? That was. Uh, yeah,
1: I think for for hoops, I think that's about it. Man. Yeah, I
0: was gonna say you really. Uh, <laughs> I I find myself just listening sometimes. I'm like, how does this man know so much? It's actually crazy sometimes. I'm just like here's me thinking I know a lot about Oregon State athletics, but then I'm just like, man, like, this guy really knows. <laughs> he knows hey, it all, but...
1: You just, uh... <laughs> just wait till we get into baseball. I mean, they, they got commits for, like, class of 2023 now. It, it, it's tough. It's tough, you know, tracking everything and yeah. watching all the pieces and all that, but, hey, that's what we're here at Beaver Blitz. Myself, Marcus, Angie, Lucas Aguilar, uh, we're all a team attacking everything together, so...
0: Absolutely. And so, Adam, I know that it sounds like maybe there's not a lot of big football news, but um, did we at least have anyone who maybe scheduled a visit or any visits along the lines of football?
1: Yeah, uh, I was out there today. There's a couple kids that practice today taking it all in, but I think the next big name that... Uh, Oregon State fans should be aware of is three-star Jake Overman out of Servite High School, who will be up on an unofficial this weekend. Um, he's kind of making the rounds right now, checking out some of the schools that's offered. I uh, just caught up with him uh, last night, had an article run today here Thursday on Beaver Blitz. No, excuse me, yesterday, Wednesday on Beaver Blitz, um, kind of detailing his thoughts on the recruiting process and where he stands and such. Um Definitely still being evaluated by some of the other Pac-12 programs right now. Uh, but he's got offers from Arizona. Uh, uh, UW's involved. Oregon's involved. They haven't offered yet, but it sounds like UW might be close. Uh, UCLA, I think, has been in touch as well. Uh, but he's definitely going to kind of play his time, play it out a little bit, take his visits, take everything in. And uh, he's, he's definitely looking forward to coming up to Corvallis. Uh, hooking up with Coach Wozniak out there and seeing uh, how he interacts with his players and um, kind of taking in everything that Oregon State has to offer. And, you know, I, I, Marcus, are you ready to go next level, though?
0: Of course, I'm ready to go next level with hey.
1: him. Yeah, hey, Marcus, take it over then. Let's let's break down some film here on Jake Overman.
0: All right, so with Jake Overman, he's at 6'4", 235. The biggest thing that stands out to me is... You know, when you have a guy that's that size, you get a lot of kind of over brute force more than finesse. But in a way, this guy has a good combination of both. Um, From breaking down this film, first of all, the first thing I I noticed was just the fact that he can finish his blocks. And so he'll get on a guy, right? He'll come down on a block. He'll come down maybe, you know, on on a counter or something like that, and he has to pull. First thing I saw is when he gets his hands on a guy, right, the... It might not be the most physical, at least with the initial punch, but once he gets his hands on him, I mean he'll finish him every time. There wasn't one blocking, you know, clip that I saw. And I get highlights are highlights, so they're gonna make everybody, you know, you find your best place. But I went took that next step and really looked at his his film, you know, his full games, not just highlights. And this guy, I'm serious, I would say nine point five out of ten times The guy that he blocks ends up on the ground, no matter if it's a linebacker, defensive lineman, safety, corner, doesn't matter. If he gets his hands on you and he's driving, the guy's going to end up on the ground. That's the first thing. You really want that, especially with a team that has effective running backs like Oregon State does. The more you can get these guys who are just athletic and can block. And biggest thing, too, is if you could find a guy who can block and finish the blocks, but... If you can find a guy who can get there, right? A lot of the time at Oregon State, we used to call the big offensive linemen, big tight ends, who are kind of trying to block, say a safety. Right? You're running downfield, you break one free, and there's maybe one to two guys, defenders. If you can get a tight end who we call them cows on skates because they're just, obviously they're big, right? It's it's hard to it's hard to pinpoint just a small defensive back, but if you can get a guy who can initiate that block, no matter who it is, downfield. Uh, A defensive back, like I said, that'll be huge. That's what springs those 70-yard runs like we saw against Ohio State is because you have guys who are making the blocks downfield 5, 10 yards. But another thing is super soft hands. A lot of the times you get tight ends who are either good blockers or good catchers. This guy has a good combination of both. Super soft hands. You throw the ball in the middle, he'll always come down with it. That's what I like is... He, he reminds me in a way of Noah Togia, right? So Noah's big, but Noah's athletic. And you get a guy with soft hands, can catch almost everything. I, didn't, I mean, like I said, it's a highlight, so you're not going to see drops. But he made some catches with two or three guys in his face. He made catches over the middle with some pretty decent-sized linebackers in his face as well. He jumped up, high-pointed the ball, and got it. Super soft hands. I really like that about him. And the – uh, just the fact that he's such a big target if you got a guy who's 6'4", 235 that's a high schooler adam <laughs> we're not even talking yeah, about once man. you get him into a division one weight room a, a division one development program you get him into that I know obviously that the height won't change but the weight think about he put on 10 pounds but it's 10 pounds of muscle he gets more explosive that's a deadly guy <laughs> you don't want you don't <laughs> want to run into him think about it. you can't have a safety come down to hit him because he's gonna he's gonna hurt your safety if you if your safety tries to hit him, so that's a really good thing. I like all those things about him, but you know these are the things I think he needs to improve on in his game though. And it happens all the time. Anytime you have a, a high school guy go to the next level, it happened with me, and I was a running back. Happens with receivers. Is you have to be more aggressive, and you have to have you have to find a way to open up your hips. So I'll start with the aggression, and like I said. It's different in high school, right? He, I think in a way he knows he's the best player or one of the best players, and so he could use that to his advantage. And every guy does it. And I'm not bagging on because it happens. But when you're initiating contact, this, he'll have to realize when he gets to the next level that, you know, you're not going up against 5'9", five, 5'10", five, you know, 195-pound linebackers. You're going against 6'2", six, 6'3", 235 linebackers, right? So you have to initiate mm-hmm. that contact. You have to be the hammer and not the nail. That's one thing I want to see from him, at least at that next level. I want to see him become the hammer. I'm not saying he's the nail, but I'm saying he's a he's not as aggressive because if if he puts it all together, the fact that he, say he runs into somebody, smashes into him, gets his hands on him, drives him in the ground, that's the next level tight end. That's the biggest thing is if you could do that, not only is that going to spring him into – competing for playing time, but that's how you get to the NFL is if you could do those type of things and he keeps those soft hands. And the next thing is just his soft, I mean, uh, is his stiff hips. It happens to everybody because you're not as flexible as a high schooler. You don't really put a lot of thought into being flexible, but that's super big. I think sometimes when he gets out of his breaks or he tries to turn on just flat routes, maybe, you know, for two or three yards deep, that's, you could tell that he's kind of stiff. But once he catches the ball and turns upfield, I mean, he's like a bull. You don't want to run into him, right? Mm -hmm. But just imagine if he can come out of his break, right, hit a guy maybe with the inside leverage, break out by opening his hips up. It's just that much faster. Think about maybe a middle linebacker. Those are the guys, you know, who either sometimes guard um, the running backs or tight ends. So if it's a middle linebacker and he can beat him out the break, I mean, that's 10, 11 yards every time, just on an out route. So – Those are the kind of things I want to see from him. I think he's a great player, Adam. I really think that if you get him in with Luke Musgrave, that's why I'm. That's what I like. Is I think he'll be a good. Him and Luke will be a good one-two punch. Maybe in a couple years, just because Luke is more of an athletic, straight athletic guy, right? Super tall, um, fast. He's more of a Noah guy, but this, you know, but Overman is is a real, like you said off air. He's just man, he's just rock solid. And good blockers, soft hands will get you what you need to get. Your tight ends aren't going to be guys who come out and, you know, get 150 yards receiving. They're going to get you your 60s, but those 60 yards are going to matter. And another thing is physicality in the red zone. I think he's the kind of guy that we, you know, Oregon State will call on when it comes to physicality in the red zone.
1: Hey, man, that's going next level, and that's why we have Marcus on the pod. Not only for being the host, but, man, he's, you're able to break it down, and it's just it's spot on. Um, you know, I look at him, and he's a chain mover when he's when he's out there. Mm-hmm. You know, he, like you're saying, he's going to get 60 yards, but that's going to matter. Um, every yard's going to matter. He's going to keep those chains moving. That's it's great. I, like you said, like you know, you get lost when I'm talking, or you know, involved <laughs> in, in absorbing it all. Man, I could listen to you breaking down film keep going man we
0: could do a whole hour of this yeah man it's just you know i i really like breaking these kids films down because when you break them down and you just look at kind of in a way how they fit in oregon state's offense this is another Mm -hmm. thing that i want people to really grasp is the fact that coach smith is getting these you know these players that really fit the system because you're you know he's not getting a Some crazy fast tight end that can't block because he understands his strength right now is running, right? And so Mm -hmm. you get a guy who can block, you get a guy who just picks up what you need to pick up. Like I said, he's not gonna get you no 150 yards receiving, he'll get you those 60. But like you said, he's a chain mover, right? Say it's third and three, he opens it, he gets his hips better, he has soft hands already. That's a quick out route. He picks it up, beats his guy one on one, and then you get four to five to six to seven, right? That's a chain yeah. mover. And he'll keep doing that, doing that, and doing that. That's where you'll get your sixty, you know, your sixty receiving yards while he's delivering, you know, downfield, vicious blows and blocks and finishing them. That's what we that's what you really want. That's what springs everything else. Because like we know, if you, you know, say the run game keeps getting better better and better and it's you know becoming something that teams stack the box and try to stop okay then they stack the box but what does that do then that opens up play action opens up pass game and play actions a lot of the time your targets are going to be your tight ends so yeah. having just playmakers that can catch the ball at tight end that's big and i think Oregon state has done a great job because for a little while besides noah it was a little it was a little kind of question mark okay who else do we have at tight end well, you look at the guys that they're targeting now, and if you can find a way, because Overman's going to blow up. If you can find a way to get him, I really have a lot of confidence that this guy will have a really good, you know, really good career at Oregon State, and he'll be a big time player in years to come.
1: Yeah, I agree, man. Absolutely, absolutely agree. Absolutely, so, and um, hey, so I guess we'll, we'll see how things go this weekend then for him. Mm-hmm, Absolutely, if he, if he love.
0: Yeah, that's, and that's. You know, I, Adam, you kind of talked to him a little bit. I don't know. I know you ran that story like you said, but can you kind of give people just a little preview of kind of his thoughts if you if you have them?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he definitely has established a relationship with Coach Wozniak already and kind of um, building upon that. He's, he's really kind of making the rounds right now, observing different things, trying to find the right fit for himself, um, you know, what he's looking for he does kind of have this idea or, you know, wants to play in front of a a big packed stadium, um, you know, underneath the lights and that kind of stuff. So, um, be interesting to see that, uh, you know, what he kind of, as he continues to progress down through the recruiting process, um, what he kind of realizes, um, is important to him, you know? Um, but as far as, you know, Oregon state, it's, uh, Hold on, I'm looking up my notes right now, so it's it's he's he's got Wozniak talking to him, but I think the other contributing factor that gives Oregon State more hope is coach he's in Coach Petrie's region. Coach mm-hmm. Petrie's probably the most dynamic recruiter on the staff. Um, I probably throw Blue Adams up there in that conversation. Jake Cook is in a different way, uh, but Coach Petrie is the way he's able to connect with kids down in the LA area is really promising. Um, and, you know, with Overman down there at Servite, it's, it's really um, beneficial to have Coach Petrie involved. Um, I think what stands out to Overman about Warden State is through his conversations with Coach Wozniak, they've really emphasized the usage of the tight ends and how they use them in the, their 12 and 13 personnel. And, you know, the, the overall percentage that tight ends are in the game, you know, you might look at you know, a team like Arizona or uh, another program that doesn't necessarily emphasize the tight end position very much. And, yeah, they might be, they might have, you know, 20, 25 catches a year, um, but they might only be in, you know, 25% of the plays. Exactly. Um, whereas at Oregon State, you know, they're close to 100% utilization of the tight end position in one way or another on, you know, every play. So the opportunities to make plays, is going to be greater in Oregon State system than, you know, again, I'm just spitballing Arizona system. Um, so he's really kind of taken that next level look at how am I going to fit into a program. Uh, what would my future potential look like inside that program? Um, and I think that's something that he really wants to observe this weekend. how you know they're telling me this stuff, but it's something else to actually get out there and see how they're using it how they're interacting with their players. and that's you know that's something he told me that he's really looking forward to about this weekend. so
0: mm-hmm. well, that's I think that's why Oregon State can get a lot of you know good tight ends or we have in the past is just because, our, uses of, our usage of tight ends, excuse me, just because, like you said, not a lot of teams, it's just like a fullback, right? A lot mm-hmm. of teams don't have fullbacks anymore. So top fullbacks, where they usually go, a team like Stanford, who utilizes fullbacks mm-hmm. a lot. Same thing, tight ends. Oregon State, I think, is in the past, and, you know, they we've always had it, in my mind, we've always had at least one really good tight end. I think Noah has been that guy the past couple years. It's just injuries have been, you know, a blow to him, but... Mm-hmm. If he's healthy, I mean, there's no you know, there's no doubt he's arguably one of the best in the Pac-12, but that's what – you're right. We have to see kind of – and I, I did the same thing when I was getting recruited is, okay, how would I be used, right, because out of high school I was more of a, a speed back, maybe a screen guy, give me a toss out around the edge, but how was I going to be used? That was a big thing for me. That's why, you know, University of Oregon was one of my first choices when their running backs were really the bulk of their offense – but then you, I looked at Oregon State, and I just realized their run scheme. I understood the scheme of things, and that's where I think Coach Waz is going to come in extremely well, because Coach Waz is a smart guy, and Coach he was one of my coaches as well. And just listening to him talk and understanding how you could be used, that is a big thing, because the more guys feel that like they're going to be used and wanted, is obviously as you know, Adam being a recruiting analyst is. That's huge on some guys' plates. Some guys just like the flash. Some guys just like the fame. Some guys just like, you know, filling the stadiums. But if you could really connect with the guy and be like, listen, you might not understand X's and O's extremely well, but this is how we see you being used, right? And I think Coach Smith and his guys, like I always say, they're a bunch of X's and O's guys, right? They understand the game of football better than, you know, most teams. I mean, most coaching staffs, I think, at least in the conference – arguably in the conference, right? And so they can break down the X's and O's. They explain to a kid, look, say it's a third down and four. And that's what I was saying. Say, with your game right now, this linebacker is going to come and try to guard you, right, be man up on you. You use this move, maybe an arrow, maybe, you know, whatever route you want to do or whatever route we tell you then you break them off right there, four-yard gain, get past you know, the line, that's where you catch the ball, and then you can turn up, get an extra four or five yards, right? it You know, that whatever yeah. example that is, but just explaining the X's and O's, I think, can attract a lot of guys. And I think that's what Oregon State has to their advantage, right? It might not be the wins, might not be the facilities, but explaining to kids where they fit the system, how they're going to fit the system, and why it's going to work for them is huge. Rather than, yeah. you know, look at this. Look how you look in this uniform, right? That I yeah, mean, that's at, cool. Look right?
1: at this throne that you're going to sit on and have a photo shoot him.
0: Uh-huh, exactly. So yeah. that's, why, you know, that's why I think Oregon State has a really good chance with this guy. I really like to go next level on him because I was just like, man, looking at what he could do for Oregon State, it's just, I mean, he, there's plenty of things that you could see that you're just like, man, like he would fit. He's not going to be, you know, that 100-yard receiving guy, but, man, he would be – he would be used extremely well in this offense.
1: Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, you project how he might grow as well. Um, and It's it's definitely you see the fit already, and then you start thinking, okay, well, as he continues to grow, what can his role stand to be as well? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think think that's really important, and I think the staff does a great job of articulating their vision, um, not just for the program but for an athlete's fit in their recruiting um, approach to recruits. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know. Do you want to do a little quick snapshot of uh, some offensive targets? I know we had done uh, defensive targets in the first episode of the pod and then did hoops last week. Do you want to kind of transition over to uh, some offensive targets then?
0: Absolutely. Just Yeah, just let us know, man. Fill us in. You're the man for it.
1: Yeah. Hey, so let's – you know, we're talking already about tight ends. Definitely Jake Overman is going to be a top guy. Um Kind of some of the other guys that we're looking at right now are that Oregon State's looking at. Um, Mason West is one. He actually uh, took an unofficial visit up to campus um, earlier this month. He's out of La Habra, California, down there in the uh, southern section. Um, Kind of under the radar right now, he's got uh, Dartmouth and New Mexico joining Oregon State and offering him. Um, but he's he's, rank, he's ranked really highly. Um, he's the number 80 prospect, prospect in the state of California right now. He kind of fits that same mold as Jake Oberman, same body type, 6'4", 240. Um, but it's, so you're kind of starting to see a little bit of a pattern there. And, you know, as you look across the board, we're able to kind of distinguish, okay, this coach is looking for this type of player, and I think with tight ends you're looking for that, multi-purpose, or at least Coach Wozniak's looking for that multi-purpose tight end who already has the fundamentals as, you know, a a blocker, as an extended uh, lineman, lead blocker getting downfield, but also um, being a chain mover. Um, With that said, though, there is a third guy out there that uh, is a little bit different in Kaleo Bollingay. Um, he's a little bit taller, 6'6", 2'12", is more of a guy who you can split outside. He still has some of those fundamentals in blocking, but um, so kind of fits that other role more comparative to uh, a Luke uh, Musgrave, who's part of the 2019 class. Um, he's got Oregon State, and Cal right now as his top two, still kind of, uh, you know, open to the process, though, so we'll see about him getting up to campus here uh, at some point either the spring or early summer. Um, as we transition kind of staking along the uh, line of scrimmage there, uh, we already talked about Aiden Finney on the first episode of the Dan Recruiting Podcast. Uh, he was the offensive lineman out of Chico who had spent the weekend up in Corvallis as camp broke. Um, spring camp broke, picked up his offer as soon as he got back home. Big kid, multi-sport athlete out of Chico there at 6'7", 265, mobile as a tackle prospect. Uh, good size definitely he's out there making the rounds as well um, starting to gain a lot of interest from uh, Pac-12 and Mountain West programs uh, kind of rounding out your top um, your other prospects along the offensive line um, Levi Rogers a four-star out of Woodenville, Washington um, he's pretty high on the bees he's also a national recruit he's got something like you know closing in on double digits offers, USC, California, Arizona State, Wazoo. Um, Notre Dame's been interested uh, in him. He visited back in February, um, definitely a high-level prospect, one of Coach Mihalicek's, uh top targets. And uh, like I said, he's up there at Woodinville, uh, just outside Seattle, but he's uh, transplanted from Maryland. So he doesn't necessarily have the traditional um, – rooting interest that you would see out of a prospect from that area for the Huskies or the mm-hmm. Cougars. Uh, so it definitely leaves the door open for Oregon State to make some noise there in his recruitment. Uh, kind of the last offensive line target then is going to be Andres work out of Los Gatos, and he's another newer offer for Coach Mihalicek. Uh Again, big body tackle, 6'7", 285, a little bit more developed than uh, Ian Finney right now. Um, He's got some mid-major offers. He's got Boston College who's come through, Fresno State, Oregon State. Um, But he's definitely going to be one who's um, seeing his recruitment pick up. Uh, We'll see if the uh, Southern California, LA schools get involved and how that can influence him moving forward. Kind of moving away from the line of scrimmage, we got our quarterback target. That's going to be kind of a big focus point as we lead up to the spring game because we'll be having... Uh, or the the staff will be having three of their top prospects coming on the campus. Um, Probably their number one quarterback target right now is Jay Butterfield. Um, He's a four-star, the number 53 uh, prospect in the nation, number two south quarterback. He's expected to be on campus April 19th for an unofficial visit. He's got up to 15 offers. I think we kind of talked about him again on the first episode of the pod. Mm -hmm. Um, Dad played at Stanford. He doesn't have an offer there yet. But if they were to get involved, it might be highly influential in his recruitment. But, you know, as we've talked about with so many athletes, getting a kid on campus is such a big step in showing them, you know, what Oregon State has to offer. So, you know, can they make an impact on him when he gets up here? that will be interesting. I'm not sure. Did you get a chance to uh, watch Butterfield's film at all?
0: I didn't. I wanted to get to it, but uh, I was, you know – I wanted to watch Overman's a lot and really break it down for you yeah. guys. Um, listening. So I didn't get a chance, but I definitely will next week. Um, he'll be at the top of my list. We can break him down and maybe we can break more than one people, uh, one person down. I think that's what we should start doing at least. Um, yeah. and I could, you know, take that upon myself and do a little extra.
1: <laughs> hey man, like I said, I can, I can listen to you breaking down film, like the entire hour, <laughs> if that's what it is. Um, so kind of the other two top targets then for the quarterback, uh, we got C.J. Stroud at Orancho Cucamonga. Um, he's going to be up April 19th as well. Excuse me, Butterfield's going to be up on the 20th. and Well, they're all going to be up here that weekend. Uh, so Stroud is a three-star. He's a dual-threat quarterback. So he's a little bit different than uh, Butterfield as far as frame and abilities. He's got some more mobility out there. Uh, still has a good arm. Um, a little bit lighter. I think he's, what, 6'2", 6'3", um, 6'3", 187, whereas Butterfield's 6'6", 180. Uh, he's got Cal and Boise State, Colorado, Kansas State on him, um, but, you know, like I said, getting him up on campus, such a huge step. The last quarterback to keep an eye on is going to be Shane Illingworth. He's out of Norco, uh, California. Um, he's completely different. He's more of the Jake Luton-type quarterback, 6'6", 225, big kid with a howitzer back there standing in the pocket. Uh, he's got eight offers. He's uh, actually going to be taking an official visit here this weekend to Arkansas. Arkansas is perceived to kind of be the leader in his recruitment right now, so it'll be interesting to see if he um, you know, announces a commitment coming out of this or if he's willing to continue in the recruiting process. He's got Oregon State that he's high on and Wazoo as well, and he's uh, he's told numerous he's spoken to numerous people saying that he wants to take on officials to build those schools uh, before making a decision uh, kind of moving back into the offensive backfield uh, top target is Jalen John he's a kid out of Lake Ridge uh, Justin Baker uh, kind of a scat back he can move in the backfield or split out into a slot he's out of Kennedy Catholic up in in Washington and Chris Street is a Kid out of L.A., Coach Petrie's going to be his lead recruiter out of uh, J. Sarah Catholic down there. All three of them are three stars. Um, You look at kind of how they fit. Jalen John's more of a power back, um, more willing to run people over, whereas Baker and Street are more shifty a little bit, maybe undersized at 5'8", 5'9". Definitely explosive, though, with the ball in their hands and uh, speed that can blow by people. Um, last position group we want to highlight is going to be our wide receivers, and this is going to be probably, if quarterback is going to be your, you know, the number one priority right now in the spring, um, wide receiver is going to be where they have some of their most high-profile targets that are showing legit interest in the program. Uh, you got four-star Chad Johnson, Jr., who everybody knows about and he's committed to Arizona State right now but he's got those ties to Oregon State, and he's expected up to the spring game. be interesting to see if they can uh, flip him from his commitment. And you got um, Logan Loya out of St. John Bosco, one of the most storied programs in the entire nation. Uh, he's a four-star. He's got Oregon State up there. Uh, he likes what they're able to do with uh, their wide receivers, but he's got a laundry list of other suitors as well. So uh, he's been up on campus already um, twice. Earlier on in the recruiting process, so we'll see if he, you know, is able to get up here probably early summer. Um, then, we, if we look a little bit more locally, uh, you know, we really highlighted Casey Philkins last week. Um, these are definitely high on him and targeting him as kind of that multi-purpose. Um, move him into the backfield, move him out in the slot, move him around, get the ball in his hands anyway. Um, you know, you, you talked about him last week going next level with him. Um, he's definitely one who's got the staff's attention right now, and they're pushing hard for him. Uh, last wide receiver, I'd say that we need to keep an eye on is going to be Sawyer Roccanelli out of Hawkinson, so just outside of uh, Vancouver up here. Um, he's definitely starting to emerge onto the scene as well as he's picking up several other Pac-12 offers in the last couple of weeks. Uh, but Oregon State was, you know, first in. They offered over a year before anybody else did, so it's definitely meaningful in his
0: recruitment. Absolutely, that's meaningful, and I'm telling you, that kid is a program changer. Dude is a beast, absolute beast. Watch him put a, basically a state championship on his back when you're down, I think it was, I think they were down three touchdowns, and like going into the fourth quarter against a team who I think was undefeated, basically put him in at Wildcat and just let him go. Dude is like... Unbelievable. That's a guy that if we got him, I, you know, I'm not going to lie, I'd probably make a custom Racinelli jersey and get it. <laughs> 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 because that I guarantee that guy can go, you know, I talk about next level like college. That guy can go next level like NFL without a doubt. So he's got to keep an eye on. Um, Adam, this was a good episode, my man. Do you have anything you want to preview for next week maybe um, that we can kind of just keep listeners looking forward to? <laughs>
1: You know, I think we're going to try to get back onto the hotline, get a couple of recruits on or maybe some other people who are influential in the uh, recruiting game, whether it's a national analyst or somebody along those lines. Um, you know, I think we still got to start introducing some baseball talk into here, so hopefully get uh, some of that worked in. Um, we'll also be doing our prep work for um, leading into spring games, doing some visitors and such, uh, highlighting them. I know uh, Lucas and Angie have both been tracking down kids as well and Mm -hmm. talking to sources about, you know, what kind of momentum can be built uh, with the football team and their recruiting approach. So, I mean, there's going to be a lot of stuff to talk talk about and highlight, and, uh, you know, thank you all for joining us.
0: Absolutely. And, Adam, again, thank you, man. Appreciate all the work you do. Um, We will definitely keep everyone updated on everything that uh, is going on. If you guys have any suggestions, anyone that you guys think that we should try to get on the hotline, we could do that. Um, obviously, just reach out to Adam and I on Twitter, or, I mean, I guess that's really all we posted on, huh, is Twitter. So, <laughs> hey,
1: hey, we got the Lodge, though, too. Yeah, yeah we, we do, do have the Lodge. Um, definitely. Hey, also, we got the, uh, I guess I should plug the the promo we got going on right now. I know Angie did on the Damn podcast earlier this week. Uh, signing up now for Beaver Blitz, you got three months for the price of one at 9 95 Check us out. Give us, if you like the podcast, either the DM podcast or the DM Recruiting podcast, Uh, give us a throw online as well. So uh, check us out. Absolutely. And
0: thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the DM Recruiting Podcast with your hosts, Marcus Greaves and Adam Nicholson. We'll be back next week on Thursday.